the Blaze Radio Network. On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. 653. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I don't have to show you any stinking vices. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. And welcome to it, everybody. Monday on the Chris Salcedo Show, we have lots to talk about today. Texas. Leading the way on the nation's first sanctuary cities. Bill, it was signed into law yesterday. We'll get reaction because, well, the inevitable challenge to that law is coming up. Also, as we're speaking right now, up on Capitol Hill, in a Senate subcommittee, Sally Yates, the former acting attorney general of the United States who defied President Trump's uh, enforcement of his executive order, is going to be grilled by this subcommittee. Right now, Dianne Feinstein is bloviating about something. Uh, So uh, I don't mind talking a little bit while she gets all of her prepackaged liberal attack lines on the current administration in. Senator Whitehouse and Senator Graham, a couple of liberals, uh, chairing this committee. So we will dip in when the first questions are being asked. I'm hoping that Senator Cruz is higher than lower, that we could actually hear from Ms. Yates. All right, uh, let me get you some contact information for the show. 888-933-93-888-900-3393. That is the, the phone number if you want to reach out to the program. Catching the show live, theblaze.com slash radio, Blaze Radio smartphone app, iHeartRadio app. That's all live. Now, here comes On Demand, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you want to listen on your schedule, you want to listen, uh, binge listen. I mean, do it all on Saturday. I know people that do this. They listen to all of the week's talk radio on Saturday. I don't know why you'd want to listen to all of it on a Saturday, but hey, different strokes, different folks. Catching up with a social media, easy to do. At Chris Salcedo TX on Twitter, that's at C-H-R-I-S-S-A-L-C-E-D-O-T-X. Facebook, The Chris Salcedo Show, and on TheBlaze.com. Go to the Chris Salcedo Show channel and make sure you follow there. Uh, look, uh, I am... Um, uh, I'm going to dip into this because all of the all of the news channels are on this hearing, CNN, Fox and MSNBS. So they, they are trying to right now ask questions of former former Attorney General Yates about defying, I'm assuming, uh, Donald Trump's executive order, what they knew about Russia's involvement in our in our elections. Let's just dip in and hear what they have to say. Anybody in the Trump campaign included colluded with the Russian government or intelligence services 
in an improper fashion. And Senator, my answer to that question would require me to reveal classified information, and so I, I can't answer that. Well, <clears throat> I don't get that because he just said he issued the report, and he said he doesn't know of any. So what would you know that's not in the report? If I may, are you asking me or no, her? Oh. Well, I think that Director Clapper also said that he was unaware of the FBI counterintelligence investigation. Would it be fair to say that the counterintelligence investigation was not mature enough to come to his, to get in the report? Is that fair, Mr. Mr. Clapper? I, that's, an, that's a possibility. Uh, what I, I don't get is how the FBI can have a counterintelligence investigation suggesting collusion and you as Director of National Intelligence not know about it and the FBI signed on to a report that basically said there was no collusion. I can only speculate uh, why that's so. There wasn't... Uh, uh, oh, I can speculate too, Director Clapper. Former Director, thank God, former Director Clapper. It was all political. Confidence that we were striving for in that intelligence community assessment. Okay, that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, follow up on that. Are you familiar with the dossier about uh, Mr. Trump compiled by some guy in England? I am. <clears throat> Did you find that to be a credible report? Well, we didn't make a judgment on that, and that's that's. Uh, one no, we felt we felt it was necessary to include it, but we didn't make a judgment on it. We included it in the report, but we didn't make a judgment. We couldn't corroborate the sourcing, particularly the second, third order uh, sources. Ms. Yates, are you familiar with the dossier? Microphone. If I could try to clarify one answer before as well, because sure. I think Senator Graham, you may have misunderstood me. You asked me whether I was aware of any evidence of collusion, and I declined to answer because answering would reveal classified information. I believe that that's the same answer that Director Comey gave to this committee when he was asked this question as well. And he made clear, and I'd like to make clear, that just because I say I can't answer it, you should not draw from that an assumption that that means that the answer is yes. Okay, fair enough. And I also think, if I may, sir, that this illustrates what I was trying to get at in my statement about the uh, unique position that the FBI, FBI straddles between intelligence and law enforcement. Okay. I just want the country to know that whatever they're doing on the counterintelligence side, Mr. Clapper didn't know about it, didn't make it in the report, and we'll see what comes from it. Um, Ms. Yates, what did you tell the White House about Mr. Flynn? I had two in-person meetings and one phone call with the White House counsel about Mr. Flynn. Um, the first meeting occurred on January 26. I called Don McGahn first thing that morning and told him that I had a very sensitive matter that I needed to discuss with him, that I couldn't talk about it on the phone and that I needed to come see him. And he agreed to meet with me later that afternoon. Um, I took a senior member of the National Security Division um, who was overseeing this matter with me to meet with Mr. McGahn. Folks, you got to understand that Michael Flynn is the target of this hearing. Uh, Diane Feinstein passed out a timeline and already basically targeted uh, uh, Michael Flynn. It's essential to know about Michael Flynn, she said, and that seems to be the tone and tenor set early on in this hearing. That related conduct that Mr. Flynn had been involved in that we knew not to be the truth. And as I, as I tell you what happened here, again, I'm, I'm going to be very careful not to reveal classified Well, the reason you knew it wasn't true is because she had collected some intelligence from an incidental collection system. Is that fair to say? 
And I can't answer that because that, again, would call me for me to reveal classified. Let me ask you this. Did anybody ever make a request to unmask the conversation between the Russian ambassador and Mr. Flynn? And again, Senator, I can't answer a question like that. Mr. Clapper, do you know if that was the case? I don't. Is there a way to find that out? Well, in another setting, it could be discussed. But there is a record somewhere of who would make a request to unmask the conversation with General Flynn and the Russian ambassador. Well, I'm sure. If one was made, there'd be a record of it. I can't speak to this specific case, but I can generally comment that in the case of 702 requests, yes. Talking about Susan Rice, that's what Graham is trying to get after. Who asked for the unmasking of Flynn? The reason why Sally Yates knew that Flynn wasn't being exactly truthful was because he was swept up in what many are saying was unlawful surveillance and an unlawful unmasking for political purposes by Susan Rice inside of the Obama administration. Nor do I know the answer to that. Is it fair to say that if somebody did make an unmasking request, we would know who they were and we could find out from them who they shared the information with? Is that fair to say? The system would allow us to do what I just described. Well, unmasking requests are not made to the Department of Justice. No, but to the agency who does the collection. That's my understanding. So there should be a record somewhere in our system whether or not an unmasking request was made for the conversation between Mr. Flynn and the Russian ambassador. We should be able to determine if it did, if it was made, who made it. Then we can ask, what did they do with the information? Is that a fair statement, Mr. Clapper? Yes. Okay. Now, what did you finish? What did you tell the White House? So I told them again that there were a number of press accounts of statements that had been made by the vice president and other high-ranking White House officials about General Flynn's conduct that we knew to be untrue. And we told them how we knew that this, how we had this information, how we had acquired it, and how we knew that it was untrue. And we walked the White House counsel, who also had an associate there with him, through General Flynn's underlying conduct, the contents of which I obviously cannot go through with you today because it's classified. But we took them through in a fair amount of detail of the underlying conduct, what General Flynn had done, and then we walked through the various press accounts and how it had been falsely reported. We also told them what he had done. What did he do? Now, you guys notice that when Ms. Yates wasn't very careful to say, just because I said he did something doesn't necessarily mean it was illegal or nefarious. She didn't want to stop there. She wants to leave the impression that Michael Flynn had done something. Again, that the underlying conduct that General Flynn had engaged in was problematic in and of itself. Secondly, we told him we felt like... The well, wait a minute. Isn't that classified? How come, how come you can't tell, who, tell us who unmasked his conduct, but you could say his conduct was, not, was inappropriate? Why does one reveal a source or a method rather than identify somebody who is a Democrat? It's okay to to rake Flynn over the coals. By the way, before his, it bears pointing out at this point, folks, the last job that Mr. Flynn had before joining up with Trump was in the Obama administration. He's he's worked in several uh, administrations, apparently, or at least these last two. Done. And additionally, that we weren't the only ones that knew all of this. 
that the Russians also knew about what General Flynn had done, and the Russians also knew that General Flynn had misled the vice president and others. Because in the media accounts, it was clear from the vice president and others that they were repeating what General Flynn had told them. And that this was a problem, because not only did we believe that the Russians knew this, but that they likely had proof of this information. And that created a compromise situation, a situation where the national security advisor essentially could be blackmailed by the Russians. Well, this is pretty much as billed, folks. It's a Flynn roast. And that's why this hearing was called. It's instructive. Senator Graham is the chairman. Uh, Senator Whitehouse is the ranking member. And it looks like the long knives are out for Flynn. They have been for some time. Uh, We'll see where it goes. We'll continue to monitor in the break, folks. Be right back. It's the Chris Salcedo Show here in the blaze. Keep up with the Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. Chris Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's my immediate takeaway just from the opening salvos. In this hearing up on Capitol Hill, again, uh, Sally Yates, former acting attorney general uh, in the transition period into the Trump administration, that when it comes to incriminating Democrats, well, that's classified. We can't talk about it in an open set. But when it talks about... uh, open and frank talk about possible criminal activity undertaken by Mr. Flynn. Well, we can talk about that all day long. When it, when it comes about talking about uh, General Flynn's alleged conduct, oh, we can talk about that all day. That, does, that doesn't violate sources and methods. But when it, when it comes to identifying Democrats who may have been complicit in possible illegal surveillance of Americans. When it comes to identifying Democrats who may have been involved in politicizing this whole thing from the very, from the get-go, then, I'm sorry, that that just classified. We can't talk about it in an open setting. But you know what? As far as General Flynn is concerned, he gets raked over the coals. And again, I'm I'm not making any value judgments over over Flynn. I, I was just as dumbfounded as many of you when, when Mr. Flynn had registered as a foreign agent and had been registered as a foreign agent. (laughs) Really? National security advisor, you say? And that I, I took the white house to task last week when Sean Spicer seemed to indicate, well, you know what we, you know, Obama had vetted Flynn. We thought he was okay. Obama's team had renewed his security clearance in 2016. Why would we have to worry about it? In my view, Anybody that Barack Obama 
gave security clearance to, I would be worried. Not only because of the, the, the nature of his administration and how they didn't really take care to safeguard the nation's secrets, but it's Obama. It's, it's, it was a bunch of leftists. So why would you leave it up to a bunch of anti-American freaks in his administration? So I'm not, I'm not, don't misunderstand as I'm, as, as, as me jumping to Michael Flynn's defense. Uh, there, there are those who are out there still defending him, but the overwhelming body of evidence seems that at the very least, he wasn't exactly being straightforward about what he was up to. Um, so at any rate, I, I'm teetering whether or not I'm going to go back and forth on this. It's, it's pretty dry stuff. And I, I didn't, didn't mind covering it in the flip around, but I don't know if I want to go back to it. It's just, and if there are some fireworks, we'll continue to monitor during the breaks. I mean, it's Senator Whitehouse right now. And this guy's about, about as fair as, uh, as, a, a Don Corleone executioner. And uh, and as about as lively as watching paint dry, so it would it wouldn't even make for compelling radio. So uh, if, if there are any fireworks, if let's say for example Ted Cruz decides he wants to ask some real questions of Miss Yates and um, the former Attorney General Clapper, then we we will uh, maybe dip in to see what's going on. Meantime, we have some other things to discuss today here on the Chris Alcedo Show. There is uh, an article that we posted up on the Salcedo Show Facebook page. And this article has to do with the growing unrest and terrible situation in Venezuela. This is a Wall Street Journal piece by Juan Ferrero. Yare, Venezuela is the dateline. Jean-Pierre Planchard, year old has the drawn face of an old man and a cry that is a little more than a whimper. His ribs show through his skin. He weighs just 11 pounds. He's one. His mother, Maria Planchard, uh, tried to feed him what she could find combing through the trash. Scraps of chicken or potato. She finally took him to the hospital in Caracas where she prays a rice milk concoction will keep her son alive. One of the individuals pictured in this piece by the Wall Street Journal is a little baby, probably one or two. It's hard to tell because he's so malnourished. Could be a she for all I know. And scars pock its body. It's a... It is a a testament to Democrat policies. You want to know what happens if the Democrats and the extremist libs win the day here in the United States? Have a look at Venezuela. Donald Trump, the administration, is monitoring the Venezuelan instability, believes there's a strong need, writes Fox News, to bring weeks of anti-government protests in the country's capital of Caracas to a quick and peaceful conclusion. Maduro is not at all interested, folks, in, a, in peace. He just wants to solidify power to keep socialism going so he can eat. And so the statists can eat. The people, no. Once Latin America's richest country, 
Venezuela can no longer feed its people, hobbled by the nationalization of farms. You know what that is? The nationalization of farms It's the government saying, hey, we're going to we're going to run your farm so that everybody gets their fair share. Sound familiar? Hobbled by the nationalization of farms as well as price and currency controls. Now, who who does that sound like? Who wants to tell corporations how much they can charge you? Who wants to? Who wants to falsely manipulate currencies? Leftists, like the Chinese. Leftists, like the Democrat Party here in the United States, want to put in price controls for health care. Oh, you can't charge more than that, but then we're going to take a loss. Sorry. You guys want a case study as to what America's future looks like if slash when the Democrats win the day. Have a look at Venezuela. That's what awaits you and your family. And that's why you ought to keep attuned to the blaze and maybe go to school and go to work and and judge why conservatism is so head and shoulders above liberalism any day of the week. The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Show. Coming up next hour, we'll talk to an attorney about the next step. The, the, the American left will challenge uh, what's going on in Texas. The first state in the country to basically say, hey, you know, if you're a Democrat and you want to, you know, not enforce federal immigration law, you want to actively aid illegal immigrant felons. I don't think we're going to allow you to do that anymore without, you know, without consequences, without fining your city, without fining your, your municipality, and without jailing you and possibly taking you out of whatever position you're in. And now there's sure to be some sort of legal challenge. I don't know what that looks like. I honestly can't conceive, although I wouldn't put it past Democrats to get up there and, and, and insist that Democrat lawmakers have the ability to violate federal law without consequence and whatever the hell they want. I just want to know what statute that is. For all I know, Obama got it passed and we didn't know about it. <laughs> 888 888-900-3393. Speaker Ryan jumping on um, ABC with George Snuffleupagus this weekend. And, um, well, uh, talking about pre-existing conditions, it was a rather contentious exchange. Under this bill, no matter what, you cannot be denied coverage of your pre-existing condition. Under this bill... You cannot but only you can not be charge denied coverage, more. you can't be charged higher. Let me, let me finish my point. You can't charge people more if they keep continuous coverage. You guys know why that is. You can't charge people more if they can. So these are price controls. This is the, the federal government telling the traitorous insurance companies, you must do this. We're going to regulate you. So it's not the free market. And the, the kickback is that we're going to we're going to tell the people that they must maintain continuous coverage to qualify for these lower rates. 
that keeps money flowing, right? Who does it flow to? Flows to the traders insurance companies that the Republicans made sure the traders insurance companies were taken care of. The, P, the key of having a continuous coverage provision is to make sure that people stay covered and they move from one plane to the next if they want to. It's kind of like waiting until your house is on fire to then buy your homeowner's insurance. You want to make sure that people stay covered to keep the cost down. But, but as the you most know, Mr. Speaker, sometimes people added, lose coverage through no fault of their own. No, that is one point. I just want to get in on that right. point. So people let me finish my point. That's right. So I was getting there until you just cut me off. Yeah. George Snuffleupagus wants to know about, you know, millions of people, statistically very, very small, but millions of people who are who are out of a job through no fault of their own. And in particular, in the uh, era of Obama, that 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 happened quite a bit. People were out of jobs through no fault of their own. So, you know, liberals, where is that going? Liberals recognize that uh, this kind of stuff can happen all the time when government is the center of your universe. So he's trying to address it, and again, uh, there are. Th- this will affect very few people who don't have employer-based insurance or are not part of the current exchanges. But it will f- affect you know some some folks in the millions. And uh, hold on a second, let uh, Paul Ryan continue. I was getting there until you just cut me off. The point of this bill in those states that get a waiver to do what they need to do to make it work better in their particular states has support exactly for that very person who, if in the course between a year, get extra aid for support for pre-existing conditions. And on the state waivers are on the condition that a state has a working high-risk pool to help specifically that person with high ex- pre-existing conditions. All right, so basically the, gr- the ground rules are this. That and again, folks, this is this is kind of a useless point to go over because the Senate's going to get a hold of this thing and and they're going to do their own thing and, and and the bill that the the, the House put up, eat, let's just say for argument's sake, the Senate does do something and I and the jury's out on that and I'm kind of hoping they don't because. The more I think about this, the more I think it's essential that Obamacare be allowed to collapse under its own weight. That Obamacare be allowed to do its job and destroy the traitorous insurance companies. I can tell you the insurance companies add 30%, 30% to your cost of health care, at least. So if they were to go the way of the dinosaur... Uh, courtesy of Obamacare and there would be a massive collapse in the health insurance system and all of these Democrats and their constituents would be out on the streets courtesy of Obamacare. I don't look at that as a negative. Uh, now, now there, there will be several in the basket of biased press who will then blame Trump for not fixing Obama's screw-up and not blame Obama's screw-up. I understand that. And that's what it's going to take an articulate Republican Party to, to, to basically, here's your talking point. Go out there and say it's Obamacare. Go talk to Obama. It's Obamacare. Go talk to Obama. We, we kept it all in place. We didn't change a blessed thing. Not a thing. By the way, Jonathan Gruber's out there. You know, uh, Mr thinking the American people are stupid himself. And I'll play that soundbite for you here in a little bit, saying that uh, that Donald Trump is to blame for the failures of Obamacare. I kid you not. It's, it's just like Hillary. 
getting out there and saying, I take full responsibility, but it was James Comey and WikiLeaks that caused uh, me to lose the election. Liberals can never accept responsibility for their screw-ups. They never will. Never can. It's a character flaw. It's, it, it is something that is inbred into the liberal. I think it's almost genetic that prevents them from saying, gee, I screwed up. It must be somebody else's fault because it could never be me. Newt Gingrich and Jane Harmon were on uh, Fox News Sunday, and we learned something from Jane this weekend. They were, they were discussing how, how Obamacare has, and, and thankfully, this was brought up about how our current situation, the reason why the Republicans are acting is because our current situation is so untenable, how Obamacare just screwed everybody. And Newt is, is very quick to point that out. The fact is, the, the Obamacare system's collapsing. Uh, met, they just announced in Maryland a 50% rate increase next year. Uh, there are no plans left in, in Knoxville, Kentucky. In 94 of the 99 counties of Iowa, there are no plans left. I mean, people can yell about pre-existing conditions. You can't get any insurance. You have no coverage for any condition. This is an effort to try to get the program to, be, to survive, to make sure we can offer insurance for everybody. Who we? Who we? Government? Is it government's job to make sure that a private insurance company can provide insurance for everybody? Is that the goal? I thought health care was the goal for everybody. Not health, not health insurance doesn't mean health care. And Obamacare proves that. As individuals are saddled with high deductibles, high premiums, as a matter of fact, those deductibles require you to spend a boatload of money before, before you even get coverage kicking in. Well, I was in the House when Obamacare passed. I voted for it. Uh, it passed on a, and a totally party-line party vote, as this version did. And we're just trading bad for bad. Listen to that, folks. Bad for bad, says Jane Harmon, former Democrat, a centrist at the time. At Ob That's the first time I've ever heard a Democrat call Obamacare bad. And now we're trading that bad law for another bad law. But again, it's it's only one. It's it's the House version. Who knows what the Senate's going to do? Why don't we think about American health care, not Republican health care? Yeah, well, because it's going to screw everybody equally. I guess she's got a point there. Hey, you know what, folks, just for giggles, John Cornyn is starting to to cross examine Sally Yates here. I, I want to hear what the senator from Texas has to ask her. He's a former judge. This is not anything new, although perhaps the level and intensity and the sophistication of both Russian overt and covert operations is uh, really unprecedented. And I thank the intelligence community for their assessment. I do regret that uh, these, while these two witnesses are certainly uh, welcome and um, we're glad to have them here, that uh, former National Security Advisor Susan Rice has refused to testify in front of the committee. It seems to me there are a lot of questions that need that she needs to answer. I would uh, point out, though, that, uh, Mr. Chairman, that both Senator Feinstein and I are fortunate enough to be on the Senate Intelligence Committee, which is also conducting a bipartisan investigation under the leadership of Chairman Burr and Vice Chairman Warner. Um, one of the benefits of that additional investigation is that we have been given access to the raw intelligence um, collected by the intelligence community, which I think 
completes what un understandably is an incomplete picture when you can only talk in a public setting about part of the evidence. But yeah, part of the evidence, the part of the evidence that indicts Flynn and doesn't identify any Democrats culpability. This subcommittee hearing is playing an important role in that. I want to ask uh, Director Clapper, because I think, unfortunately, some of the discussion about unmasking is casting suspicion on the intelligence community in a way that I think is, frankly, um, concerning. Okay, we're not learning much about that. So we'll see if Senator, again, Cruz is who we're really waiting for to ask some actually pointed questions. Uh, all right. Uh, so Newt and Jane Harmon continue their back and forth on Fox News Sunday this weekend. And and Jane Harmon actually taught us something this way. At least I learned something. For Obamacare. And my reaction is that this got Reince Priebus, who did a very good job on your show, and Paul Ryan over the goal line. Uh, but we need it's going to be a do over in the Senate and it's not going to look anything like the House bill if it even passes the Senate. But do you agree with the speaker that Obamacare is, is collapsing? I agree that there are issues with Obamacare, and they part of that is that the bill that passed the House, the Congress, didn't resemble what we did in committee. On a did you guys hear that? The bill that passed didn't resemble what we had done in committee, but she has an addendum to that. Resemble what we did in committee on a bipartisan basis. There was work done on Obamacare on a bipartisan basis that put out a law, but all of the Republican suggestions. Now, maybe I I knew this and forgot it because I know there was no Republican input in the in what passed. But Jane Harmon's gripe here is that when Obamacare passed, there was Republican input. It was just thrown out. It was just ignored. It it would have received some Republican votes if there had been some Republican ideas thrown in there. But the Democrats had a once a once in a generation opportunity supermajority in Congress and the White House, they wanted to go full-blown socialism. And they didn't want any moderating factors that would keep competitiveness in there and non-government non com control in there. Now, Jane Harmon says that's what happened here as well. And we've just repeated the same uh, movie by having a bill that didn't go through committee that isn't scored by CBO. Well, first off, CBO, they're never right. And didn't go through committee. It's because Democrats have pledged not to do anything, Jane Harmon. You, you might be projecting uh, the the fact that Democrats might want to behave like you, and, and they don't. Ex Democrats like you, Jane Harmon, don't exist anymore. Uh, and that uh, came out just as a leadership, uh, in my view, press release. Yeah. We'll get more on this on the other side of the break. Stick with me, folks. It's Chris Salcedo's show. Happy Monday on the Blaze. It's not just a show. It's a movement. Join the swarm. Twitter hashtag Salcedo Swarm. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Show on the Blaze Radio Network. And of course, we go to we go to the spot break, and there was something that uh, that was actually material to what I wanted to find out. Senator Cornyn just asked Yates. Uh, so wait a minute, you had the Office of Legal Counsel come in and say that President Trump's 
executive order was lawful, but you countermanded them. On what authority did you do that? Uh, we might be able to, if, if I can squeeze that in, folks, I'll, I'll get it here on the Chris Salcedo Show uh, before the end of the day. If not, we'll save it for tomorrow, because I'm sure this testimony by Yates, it's been eagerly awaited by the basket of bias press. So um, if not today, we'll get to it tomorrow. Jonathan Gruber. You guys remember Jonathan Gruber? The Goober? Jonathan Gruber? Here's a guy who is uh, an extremist leftist. And he was the go-to guy on Obamacare, imposing this on us. And uh, his job was to con the American people to, um, how did he put it? I think he put it this way. Lack of transparency is a huge political advantage. You know, call it the stupidity of the American voter or whatever. The stupidity of the American voter or whatever. Lack of transparency. He continued that tradition on Fox News Sunday this weekend, folks. Uh, with his desire for a lack of transparency, it was, it was quite extraordinary. And one of the one of the things that he wanted to put out there was the fact that the reason why Obamacare is failing was because of Donald Trump. I'm I'm dying if Obamacare is the fault. The failure of Obamacare is the fault of Donald Trump. Now. I'm sorry, even you more you most stalwart leftists out there have got to have really got got to say that you've got to be kidding. Really? Seriously? Well, um, he did say it. But I, I think this is this, this is there's there's a psychological component to this. Psychology, if you will, of when these leftists are caught. And right now, in the in the midst of a failing Obamacare system, they that they foisted upon us solely by Democrat votes and left wing extremism construction. Then, when it starts to fail, as we all predicted it would, they all say, "Oh no, no, it wasn't our fault. It was because you didn't continue to elect us." Really? Eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network.